Good morning. Welcome to Luke 418 Fellowship. We are excited that you've joined us for worship this morning. A couple of announcements as we uh, begin this morning. Our senior adult luncheon is th- this Thursday at the original Oyster House. If you can sign up in the lobby, that will help us to know how many to tell them to hold for us. That is at 11 o'clock this Thursday. If you think you're old enough to be there, you come join us for lunch and we will have a great time together. We have two community outreaches coming up. Uh, we're going to have a pop-up park party in the middle of Honor Park at 10 o'clock on Saturday, April 1st. And we're inviting everybody to be there. The kids' ministry is going to have games and events to just engage those who are there. And also to invite them to come to our Easter extravaganza here the next week on April 8th. So you can go to the park and reach out and invite people to join us at Luke 418 and to tell them about the opportunity the next weekend to come to our Easter egg extravaganza. Melanie's using these big words and I don't know how to say them. Um, So on April 8th, Melanie needs people to help sign up as we host all of the community to come here on April 8th in order to invite them to what? Resurrection Sunday worship service. And so you have an opportunity to be involved in all three of those ways by just taking the time to engage open conversations and invite people to be part of what God is doing here at Luke 418. A reminder, next Wednesday, this Wednesday... We're going to our new schedule, back to the uh, schedule we had a long time ago. And so 6 o'clock, um, we'll be in here, and then choir will be following that. So just a reminder, most of you have already heard about that. And this morning, you'll notice things are just a little bit different. Uh, our student ministry has had Disciple Now weekend, and we are excited. Students, stand up. I just want, I want everybody to see this. And leaders. Amen. Um, I'm going to invite Matthew up in just a second to, to share about what all that the Lord's done. Y'all can sit down. You're good. Um, but our worship set is going to be led by Josh Trimble. He's, he leads on Wednesday nights with our students and some friends from University of Mobile. And we're so excited that they are here to lead us in worship. They've been leading our students all weekend. Matthew, come on up and share with us uh, all the Lord did this weekend. Thank you, Randy. Yeah, it was a great, just a great weekend for us in our student ministry. I'll tell them it's my favorite weekend of the year. Um, it's the most exhausting weekend of the year because we had time change today, which I'm glad all of y'all made it on time today. You know, some of y'all might have thought y'all, y'all were coming to something different, but uh, well, we're here. And I told them, you're already going to be exhausted. So why not just be exhausted in one weekend instead of two? And so we made sure we had D now this weekend for that. But it was a great weekend. Our students, we had host homes and host homes thank y'all for for allowing them to come and sleep in y'all's homes and cook breakfast for them and hopefully uh nothing was destroyed that i know of and so that was a a plus in that way we had a great weekend of really just diving in to the subject matter of truth you know jesus when he was praying to the father he said father sanctify them in the truth lord your word is truth and john 17 and we live in a world that is uh doesn't like truth. Truth is relative in our culture and society today. That so often our students will hear that this is my truth. And our prayer this weekend was that our students would hear that there is only one truth, and that's God's truth. And uh, we had uh, Jared um, from the University of Mobile, he's the campus pastor, came and shared the word with us a Friday night. We learned that we can trust God's word, that it, that it has stood the test of time. And Saturday morning we looked at how God has called us to not be ashamed of the gospel, 
that, that we submit all of our lives to the gospel. And last night, we got the charge to, that now that we trust God's word, now that we can believe and trust in the gospel, and that we don't shrink back in fear ever, we go out and proclaim it, that he gave us the charge that we are to go out and proclaim this gospel to the world. That, that, that we, are, we are to do the work of an evangelist we saw in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And so this weekend has been just a tremendous weekend of seeing our students um, grow deeper in the word, to worship God through song, to worship God through the preaching of God's word, seeing them in small groups and the discussions that they've had, uh, answering the question. This is one of the questions he threw out is, why do you trust the Bible? And getting to hear students answer that question of, of why do they believe God's word. And so it's been a great weekend, church. Thank you all for uh, praying for us this weekend, praying for us as we've been preparing for a couple weeks. Students, thank you all for, for coming. Host homes, thank y'all for opening up your homes. Those who help with meals, thank y'all for coming and cooking and cleaning up after our students this weekend. So it's been a great weekend for that. And so, am I passing this to you, Elliot? No, we're going to pray. And, oh, baptism. Thank you, Randy. Thank you. So, Brother David, and we'll get to celebrate this morning with baptism. Well, it is always a joy to begin our morning with a time of baptism. Today we have Michael Needon, who's coming to be baptized. Michael came to me this week and we talked. Uh, it's just an incredible testimony as he shared with me that back in 2018, he recognized that he was in need of a Savior and he cried out to God to save him. And praise God through the blood of Jesus Christ upon the cross, he has saved you and redeemed you. He said that it was in 2020 that he just really began to hear and, and listen and walk in that. And here today, he's walking in obedience of the profession of faith that took place in 2018. You know, as I shared with him, that this is an outward expression of an inward decision to follow Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And so, Michael, I ask you today, is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Amen. Well, it is my joy and honor, my brother, to baptize you uh, upon your profession. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ unto death, and raised to walk in newness of life. Amen. Amen. Now, Father, now, Father, you're so good, and we praise your holy name, and we thank you for the salvation that is found in no one other than Jesus Christ. Thank you for giving us life. Thank you for redeeming us. And Father, I pray that as people see this today, as Michael takes baptism, as he professes Christ as Lord and Savior, I pray that others would see this and that they would follow in this faith in you and you alone. Lord, we love you and praise you for it's in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Let's stand and worship with this morning. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my turn till I met you. I was breathing but not alive All my failures I've tried to hide It was my tomb Till I met you You called my name
give God a hand clap of praise this morning. We are so glad to be here this morning with you guys. It is, it is awesome. It's such a privilege that we have to be able to, to lead you guys in worship this morning. Um, we've had such a great privilege leading the youth um, over the weekend through D-Now and I have a great crew with me here this morning. All of these are some of my friends from University of Mobile. We have Carly over here on the cajon. We have Leah over here singing. And then there's Josh again. He's the same name as me uh, on the other guitar over there. Y'all welcome them here. But this morning, as, uh, as Matthew's already spoke on, we went through a series on truth. We looked at the truth of the word. We looked at the truth of the gospel. And we looked at what it means to live in that truth. And we come to find one thing. That the only truth is Christ Jesus. The only truth. And we're going to sing about that this morning as we sing Christ our hope in life and death.
Christ our hope in life and death. Now and ever we confess Christ our hope in life and death. Y'all may be seated as we continue to worship this morning. Like I previously said, going through this study of truth over this past weekend and a few songs that just kind of that reiterated the, this this truth that we know one of them is build my life and we're about to go into that in just a second but the reason reason we have this song is because as I talked about is Jesus Christ alone is that only truth he's the only one that we can truly build our life on and it be a firm foundation He's the only one that we can put all of our hope, all of our trust, all of our faith in, the only one that will sustain us, and the only one that will pass to the test of time. We sing about that, and here in a moment we're going to sing all sufficient merit. That it is not by our own doing that we are saved. It's not by any kind of truth that we may think is true, that may be what we believe. But there's only one truth that we need to abide by. The truth of the gospel, the truth of the word, the truth of Jesus Christ. He, his merit becomes our own. One that we can build our life on. So we're going to sing, build our life this morning, and then go into all sufficient merit. song we could ever sing worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Jesus name above every other name Jesus the only one who could ever say worthy of every breath we could ever Jesus, the 
this morning, running out of that grave into life. God, you were the only one who was worthy of our praise. God, the only one worth living for. God, you alone are the truth. God, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name. What is a joy to be here today and to have the, uh, all the students here from D-Now. I know you're probably very tired. Um, if you go to sleep, I will call you out. No. Um, Matthew will call you out. No. Um, to the band, thank you all for being here today. And, you know, I've, I've not heard that last song that was sung, the uh, uh, All Sufficient Merit and uh, I, it was incredible just listening to the words and how that comes straight from the scripture. You know, one of the things as we were sitting there singing and I was just thinking about the student ministry and how thankful I am for Brother Matthew and how they lead even in song with words that come from the truth of God's word. And so, Brother Matthew, we're so thankful for you and for the band and all that God is doing in the midst of each of y'all. As we begin today, we're going to continue in the Sermon on the Mount. We've taken a few days or a few weeks off of the Sermon on the Mount. We've only been in it for about eight months. we got a little ways to go. Uh, we are starting chapter 7 today. Now, I want to give you just a brief overview. We started out with seeing that Jesus was giving the attributes of a born-again believer, one who's poor in spirit, mourns over sin, humble, hungers and thirsts for righteousness, Pure in heart, merciful, and peacemaker. Jesus then talked about how the believers are called to be salt and light in this world. He compared the teachings then of the law 
of the Pharisees and how they taught the law to the truth of the law. In chapter 6, he began an, uh, this idea of the private and public practice of a believer. And he ended chapter 6 with how we're not called to worry because of who our God is. If you remember just a couple weeks ago, we kind of stopped with two messages on being overwhelmed by who our God is. Instead of being overwhelmed by our circumstances, we need to be overwhelmed by our God. Because when we're overwhelmed by who our God is and truly believe and trust that He is who He says He is, then these mountain situations turn into molehills. Right? Instead of a molehill turning into a mountain, when our situations see who our God is, the situations become real small. Now we're getting to chapter 7 of the Sermon on the Mount, the last chapter here. And Jesus is continually pointing in chapter 7 to this idea of that there is a final judgment before God. Remember, one of the themes of chapter 6 is that we live our life before God, for He sees all things. Even in verse 6 of chapter 6, He said, Your Father who sees what is done in secret. In chapter 7, He speaks that all of us will stand before the throne of God. He sees all things. Now, as we jump into chapter 7, chapter 7, verse 1, is one of the most most misquoted scriptures by non-believers. Now, we'll read the whole passage here in just a moment, but it says this, do not judge, or at least you be judged. Now, for a, uh, you probably heard it before. Somebody has said to you, don't judge me. You're not the judge of me. Can I tell you that this is one of the most misquoted passages by a non-believer and often misunderstood by believers? You know, what's really interesting in this culture is that when I tell people that I believe the Bible, they'll say, don't judge me. I'm like, I haven't said anything. I haven't said anything. Well, you're judging me. I'm like, whoa, hold up. Like, Do you not realize, and this is what I want to say, but in grace, and and I just smile, but what I want to say to them is you telling me that I'm judging you is actually you judging me. Now, they wouldn't get that. You know, I've been told before, simply because I don't do something, that I'm judging somebody. Simply because I don't join in the practice of this or that, then I'm judging them. Church, I just want you to understand that this passage comes with a lot of personal viewpoints and ideas. And my prayer today is that we would lay down preconceived ideas, that we would lay down even false belief systems that we've created in our mind and heart, and we say, Holy Spirit, speak to us today so that we can remove false belief systems and walk in the light of the truth. So let's read this, chapter 7, 1 through 5. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye and behold, a log is in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Let's pray. Father, I am desperately dependent on you this morning to proclaim your truth. 
And Holy Spirit, you are our tutor and our guide. We need guide. We need you to illuminate the pages today that we may see this spiritually and place it into our hearts and walk in obedience. Father, I pray that we would listen to what you are speaking. And Father, I confess that as this is a difficult passage, Father, may all of my words fall to the wayside. And may it be your words that are spoken today. For your word will not return void. My preaching and my teaching is not in persuasive words of wisdom, but on the demonstration of the power so that people's faith may rest in the strength of you, Father. Oh, Lord, we love you and praise you. For it's in your holy name. Amen. So we're going to pick up in chapter 7, verse 1. And the first thing I want us to see here is this understanding of judge not. It starts out with judge not. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. So the question you may ask is, does this mean that we are not to judge at all? Well, the reality of it is, is that you use judgment every day. Did you all know that? Today, you judged, you made a judgment call on whether you thought it would be safe to drive home from worship because of the weather. The news is saying that there's going to be difficult weather out there today. And you made a judgment call to be here. Those who are online, you may have made a judgment call to stay home online because of the weather that's supposed to come in. You know, yesterday I personally made a judgment call of whether to eat the leftovers from two weeks ago. (laughs) It'll be a short message today. (laughs) We make judgment calls of whether we're going to go through the yellow light or stop at the yellow light. I choose, go through it. If it's red, you stop. If it's yellow, you speed up. I'm just kidding. Our judicial system has laws in this land that we're judged by. I'll never forget being in Illinois. They put me, uh, I got this card that says you've been summoned to jury duty. Now I know some of y'all, when you get that anxiety, just swells up. How do I get out of this? Well, everybody told me, David, just tell them you're a conservative. You believe in the death penalty. Tell them that, that you know, like all these different things about, and, and they will get you off the case. And I was like, okay, perfect. So I tell them, and guess what they said? You're on the case. I was like, what? But what was interesting was when they found out that I was a pastor, this is what the judge, not the, the, the two sides, the judge asked me, sir, are you comfortable with passing judgment upon an individual. To which my statement was, I'm not judging this person's soul, but I am called to judge according to the actions that were taking place with the laws of our land. And I said, I'm okay with that. But I'm not judging this person's soul. I said, we're called in Scripture, church, to judge biblically. Look, in chapter 7 of Matthew 7, in chapter 7, it says... To beware of false teachers. Okay, so how are we to beware of false teachers if we don't take what people are teaching and place it and judge it based on the truth of God's holy word? Just this week, y'all, this weekend, y'all are learning about truth. And as you go off to college, you're going to have opportunities to go to different places of worship. And let me tell you, if you don't know the truth and judge what is being spoken from the pulpit on God's holy word, you will find yourself in a place that's teaching false doctrine. So for what you went through this weekend, I'm so thankful that you will know the truth. See, church, it, it talks about here in Scripture that you'll know a good tree and a bad tree. A good tree bears what? 
good fruit. A bad tree bears bad fruit. Listen, for you to look at fruit and say which is good and which is bad, you're making a judgment call. We are called to use God's word as our plumb line. And I'm so thankful to have the truth of God's word that doesn't change as my plumb line. The culture has an ever shifting landscape of what truth is. Today, people are being judged for things that they did 25 years ago that the culture said was okay, but today it's not okay. Praise God that we have the absolute truth that never changes. So let me put it in these words from Martin Lloyd-Jones. We are called to make assessments based on judgment. So in the context, this is the, in the context of what the Lord is telling us, he's concerned with the matter of condemning someone. Church, we don't have the authority to condemn anyone or pronounce a final judgment upon someone. The best example that we can see in the passage or in the scripture is the Pharisees. You know, it's interesting in verse five, he says, you hypocrites. Who did he call hypocrites all the time? The Pharisees. But what's interesting here is that Jesus is speaking to believers. He says to believers, judge not, lest you be judged. He says, you hypocrites, take the log out of your own eye so that you can see the speck in your brother's eye. But we see here this example of the Pharisees. In chapter six, he used the relationship with the Pharisees and the law. You may remember that. And then we see, I mean, excuse me, in chapter five. And then we see here that the Pharisees would cast judgment and condemnation on people who didn't follow the laws as they interpreted it. Remember Luke 18, verse 10 through 14. In Luke 18, the, the Pharisee is praying. And he says, I do all these things. I fast and I give and all these different things. But then he says, and I'm not like him. I'm not like the sinner. See, they are casting judgment by going around looking for things that are wrong with somebody. Passing judgment based on their opinion or even their preference. They were adding to the law of the Lord and judging others for not keeping it. Even Jesus said, you make all these laws, but you don't even keep them yourself. Judging actions and not condemning someone truly comes down to a matter of the heart. Now, as I've shared many times, the heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. So for us to enact judgment or to judge and to assess situations and make a judgment call requires us to have a heart that is pure. You remember the the scripture said, blessed are the pure in what? Heart. Now, we see this in the passage, in the scriptures. In Galatians 6, 1, it says, Brethren, even if anyone is caught in trespasses, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of what? Gentleness. Each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. When we speak into someone's life who's walking in sin... Yes, we're, we're looking at their actions and according to God's word and we see that they're walking down a path that is, that is leading to destruction. We must speak with gentleness. We must speak with love. See, we're called to speak truth in what? Love. We're called to speak truth 
in love. We don't shy away from the truth. But that love portion comes from the heart. If you don't really care about that person, if you don't really love that person, then you're going to speak truth in a condemning way instead of a way for them to hear that to turn to Jesus. I love what Brother Randy and I were discussing this message and we were just thinking about it. And, and you know, the scripture in John three eighteen says that the world, those who don't believe in Jesus are already been judged. You know, the last thing the world needs is for us also to pass judgment upon them. What the world needs is the truth spoken in love so that they can hear the gospel, the one thing that will transform lives from death to life, the one thing that will take them from the judgment that is upon them and release that punishment by the blood of Jesus Christ that was paid on the cross. And praise God, He conquered death, hell, and the grave by rising again on the third day. But so often, what do we do? We see people with signs that say, God hates, and then there's a, a sin there, and, and all these different things, and, and we, we speak in, in frustration over our culture, and we're just so upset with our culture, and we just get upset and mad, and, and, and instead of just speaking truth in love. Now, in Galatians 6, Paul is actually speaking to the brethren. He's speaking to believers and he says, when a brother is stumbling, when a brother is walking in sin, you go in gentleness. Church, we must recognize that speaking truth without love, without walking in a heart of gentleness and actually caring for the other person will lead to that to that condemnation coming upon them. Second Timothy, chapter two, 24 through 26 says the same thing. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but Be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wrong, with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition. Isn't it interesting that Jesus tells us through Paul's writing multiple times that we need to be gentle in our correction, patient when wronged. How often do we just run to correct instead of making sure that our heart is pure? When we judge or make an assessment and speak into their lives, it must be from a pure heart. That which is seeking the best for them. Maybe you could ask these questions next time before you speak. Am I looking for something as the Pharisees did? I'm looking for something that's wrong? Or has God showed me so that I may speak into their life? Is my motive to love and to help my brother or sister in Christ? Or is my motive to show them what I see? called pride my motive oh i just want people to know that i know and that i see that in them and i see that in them and i see that in them it's called pride is our heart pure that we truly love and want what's best for our brother our sister in christ as he said blessed are the pure in heart So then Jesus didn't just simply say, do not judge. And we recognize that this idea of judgment is casting condemnation or the final judgment upon someone. But he gives us three reasons why we're not to judge. Now, let me just say, as a a broken vessel, I'm so thankful that Jesus gave us reasons. Now, as I was studying, I was like, God, you could have just said it. And that was all we needed. And the Lord was like, David, you're a broken vessel. You need reasons so that you can also stand on that. Though God said it, and that's all we need, right? But then he gives us these reasons. He says this. The first one is, least you be judged. 
I think that there are two things we have to look at here. One is a natural byproduct of someone who judges. Someone who judges all the time, every person, you know, is always speaking negatively, always judging. Guess what? When they mess up, everyone else is going to be like, "Uh uh-huh, yep, mm mm-hmm. So there's a natural byproduct in in just our humanity that that if you judge and you're known for that, that that you're going to be judged and it's going to be easy for others to, to look at in judgment of what you're doing. But the main point here goes further than that. It's not simply about other people also looking at what we're doing, but it's the fact that Jesus, that God judges. Now you may say, whoa, David, hold up. He does judge, but if we're in Christ, then there's no more judgment. And it even says in John 3, 18, which I just shared a minute ago, he who believes in him is not judged, right? Absolutely. And when it comes to the understanding of uh, salvation, when it comes to the condemnation that we have upon us, the judgment upon us because of our sin, we have been set free of that for those who are in Christ Jesus. But let me remind you that Jesus is speaking to the believers. And he says here, least you be judged. When you condemn others, when you think you have that final judgment against them, least you be judged. What he's saying here is that Jesus, God, also judges those actions. It's scriptural. And Jesus says this through the writing of Paul in 2 Corinthians 5, 9-10. It says, therefore, also we have our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to the Father. For we all appear appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Listen, we've been justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. By faith alone, right? We We just sang this idea, this song about God's Jesus' merit. And how we have salvation through the work of Christ, not our own. But we must recognize that when when we walk through life, we still, our deeds go before the throne. It speaks this in 1 Corinthians 3, 11-15. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now if any man build on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, and straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of man's work. And if any man's work which has been built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. A little bit different, right? Suffer loss or gain a reward versus judgment. And it says here, but he himself will be saved yet so as through the fire. What we see in this passage is that yes, our works will go before the refining fire of God. And those which were good, done by the power of the Holy Spirit in and through us, as we yielded our life to Him, it will be refined even more. But those things that were all about us will be burned up. Those moments where we cast it judgment and condemnation upon people, those things will be burned up. But praise the Lord, it says, but He shall be saved. Why? Because the judgment for our sin has been removed by the blood of Jesus. So when we look at this passage and he says, judge not, least you be judged. It's not simply that people are going to judge you. 
It's that Jesus, God, the Father, will judge our actions by a fire that refines or burns that up. The second thing, uh, the second reason is this, the standard. Look at what it says in verse uh, 2. It says, and by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. The standard that you are creating will be the same standard that you're also called to. Now, obviously, we have the standard of God's word, right? But what he's saying here is that, hey, if you put other people under even more of a standard, if you start creating all these other laws and regulations and all these other things, you're going to be held to that as well. Pharisees added to the law. They, uh, they too, will be judged according to the standard that they added and, and placed upon. It's the same thing that we see in James chapter 3, verse 1. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such will incur a stricter judgment. What is he saying? When you teach, if you start making things up, if you start placing false doctrine upon people, listen, you're going, one, you're going to be held under that standard of whether you lived up to that as well, but also the fact that you uh, did something different than the Word of God. You're going to be held to that standard. Church, when we walk in judgment of others, Jesus, God, is speaking here and saying, hey, you also are creating that standard that you're going to fall under as well. If you judge and condemn others, you'll be held to the standard that you placed on them. Remember, this is to believers. They're in Christ. Their salvation is secure, but we're talking about this judgment, this this, uh, looking at their actions and their deeds. But there's a last reason. The last reason that Jesus says here, that you will, uh, that, that you're called to judge not, is that we are all a work under construction. We're all a work under construction. Church, this is very important. He says this, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but notice the log that's in, not notice the log in your own eye. And then he says there, take the log out. Then you can see to help your brother. Church, We're not called to bring about condemnation and final judgment upon anybody because we are a work in progress. We're all a broken vessel. When we step back and begin to look at who we are in light of the cross, we recognize that before Jesus, I was broken, sinful. The the, the weight of sin was upon me, but now I've been set free. I didn't deserve it. And so we begin to see who we once were and now who we are in Christ. And then we can start to walk in humility and gentleness in speaking to others' lives. Why are we judging others when we need to examine our own heart? Church, it's interesting to me that people who are quick to share their judgment, their opinion, their preference, is usually the slowest ones to look at their own heart. The ones who are quick to, to say, well, well, this should have been done, or, or that, or, or this, and, and all these things are, are slow to look inwardly at their own heart. When we examine our own life, we will be gentle and compassionate to others in light of the cross. We'll recognize that if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit within our life, we too would be in the same situation. When we look at our culture, church, we would be in the same situation if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. 
Does that mean that we go easy on sin? We speak truth, the truth of God's word, but we speak it in love, in a way of caring for, desiring for them, not to live in that sin any longer, but to come to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus is saying, hey, don't judge. Don't bring about condemnation on somebody. Lay your heart before the throne of God. Walk in the Spirit. Remember that question I said just a few minutes ago? One of the things that you can ask yourself about your heart is do you really, uh, are you out there looking for little things? Or are you allowing the Holy Spirit to speak and show so that you can speak into someone's life? But then there's a final thing that I want us to see here. First, we saw that we're called not to judge, which means about bring about condemnation. It doesn't mean that we're not called to judge and make assessments on things. But we're not called to bring about condemnation. We're not called to bring final judgment. We also see the reasons for this. Least you be judged, the same standard, and also because we're broken vessels. But then the third thing, and this is the most important, and that is God is the final judge. God is the final judge. And I'm going to say something right now that I didn't know if I was going to be this transparent, but I'm going to be this transparent. One of the things that breaks my heart the most as a pastor is anytime I hear somebody say, well, that person can't be saved. Or when somebody says, that person's too far gone. Or because of this sin, there's no coming back from that. Can I tell you that when you say that, you're putting yourself in the place of God. It's not our authority and it's not our call to say whether God has given somebody over to a reprobate mind. It's not my call to say that somebody's so far gone that they're going to hell and there's no way they're going to heaven. It's not my call to say that just because somebody is, is deceived and walking in any type of sin that they're too far gone to come to Christ. Can I tell you, the blood of the Lamb is sufficient. And I was in just complete brokenness and God saved my life. Now I understand that the scripture says that when you start walking into sin and you keep going down those directions that he will give you over to a reprobate mind. I believe that. It says that in scripture. But it's not my judgment call. That's the Lord's. Can I tell you, I would have thought Saul, if anybody, was too far gone. But Saul, who thought that he was doing righteous deeds, was on his way to Damascus. And let me tell you, there was a light that blinded him. He fell on his face. He repented of his sins. And God used Saul, now Paul, to be the greatest missionary that we've ever known. Church, I want you to hear this. It's not our call to make that final judgment upon anyone God is the final judge. Now, I will tell you, if somebody dies in their sin, the scripture says that the judgment will be, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. The judgment of their sin, of trampling over the blood of Jesus, the sacrifice that was poured out for them will be an eternal separation in a place called hell. But I don't get to make that decision. And praise God, I don't get to make that decision for anyone else. Because 
when I think that, that somebody's too far gone, I have in that moment taken on the role of God. Can I tell you, God is the final judge. You know, at Luke 418, I've done quite a few funerals. We have um, one this week of Miss Dean Corley, who passed away. and I did two, two weeks ago. Uh, I also found out that Ross Chapman's mother passed away. You know, whenever I do funerals, I always share this. That those who have passed away have done something that none of us have ever done. And that is that they have stood before the judgment seat of God. But the only way that they could stand was not their church membership, not their good deeds, not their volunteering service, not how much they gave, whether to the church or any organization. The only way that someone could stand is if they are covered in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Let me read to you a few passages. In Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 through 15, it says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged for the things which were written in the book according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and the dead and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them according to their deeds. Then death and Hades thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Church, what this world needs from us is to go share the truth of God in love. The gospel that transforms lives so that they too, if they believe, their name would be placed in the Lamb's book of life. Romans 14 says this, But you, why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me. And every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each one will give an account of himself to God. Can I tell you? I don't have to judge somebody with condemnation. I don't have to be their final judge. The scripture says that every person will stand before the judgment seat of God. Every person. But praise God that in His love, in His mercy, and in His grace, He said, I love my creation so much that I'm going to send my only Son, my only begotten Son, Jesus. And the the death that my creation deserves, I'm going to let that death fall. Oh, my son. The guilty verdict that is on my creation, I'm going to let that fall on my son. Though he doesn't deserve it, but he is truly the spotless lamb 
And because of the love and mercy and grace of God, because of the willingness of His Son to go all the way to the cross and the power of the Holy Spirit to raise Him from the dead, those who believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior have been set free. And they will be able to stand before the throne of God, not in their own merit, not in their own strength, not in their own ability, but by the blood of Jesus Christ that was applied to them. That's what the world needs to hear. That's what our brothers and sisters who are walking in a direction that's leading them to destruction needs to hear. Hey, I love you. I care for you. God's word shows that what you're doing is going against the truth of the gospel. And in my love, I want to share with you. I want to come and I want to walk alongside you. I'm praying for you. I close by saying this. In Daniel chapter 7, which we studied a a year ago, there was a vision. And in that vision it said, in verse 13, And behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like the Son of Man was coming. And he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. Church, sometimes we read over things and we just miss this, but I want you to see. It's the one who is like the Son of Man, who is the only one who is able to stand and present Himself before the Ancient of Days. But He's offered to place His righteousness upon you so that you too can stand. But that requires you submitting your life to the Lordship of Christ, asking God for the forgiveness of your sins, repenting of that which has brought about condemnation upon us, the guilt of sin, that we would turn to Christ, to God, and ask Him for forgiveness so that we too may stand one day.